and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 44th episode of the podcast for the week of March 11th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back a Canadian-based professional astrologer and tarot consultant, Akila, who will join me in a discussion on apparently backwards, retrogrades in the natal chart. Now, before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also have a tip jar for those who would like to donate to this podcast to keep it up and running and well-oiled. And you can find a link to that on my front page over at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week cruising along in her waxing phase and in the stable earth sign of Taurus. Then she moves into the communicative air sign of Gemini on Tuesday, and where she will remain midweek and make her first quarter position in the sign of the twins early Thursday morning. Later that day, she saunters into her home domicile of watery cancer, where we will dip into a sensitive zone for a little bit before she moves into the heart-based fires of Leo on Saturday evening, and where she will remain throughout the weekend. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe at about eight hours, if you are in Australia at about 17 hours plus, you know, basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, we have some Mercury retrograde action this week. Oh my goodness. It is an active week with information coming in, you know, lots of conversation, a lot of internal dialogue, all that. And so why am I saying that? Well, we have Mercury who's going to be meeting his inferior conjunction with the sun around the time of first quarter in Gemini, which is a mercurial influence. Uh, Mercury will also square Jupiter, will make a sextile to Pluto, Pluto, 
a sextile to Mars. We have the sun making a sextile to Pluto and squaring Jupiter as well. And we have Mars trining Saturn, which will help us uh, to get things done on the earthly realm (laughs) here. So, you know, this is a week that Mercury will be talking. So be sure to listen. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Taurus, and she will make a sextile to Neptune, a conjunction to Mars, a trine to Saturn, a sextile to the Sun, and a trine to Pluto. So Luna is getting busy on Monday. And so we don't have any exact aspects happening yet. Of course, everything is brewing, so we can keep in mind everything I'm saying this week to basically create a picture of all these seven days here. Um, But the bottom line for Monday is, is that we have a strong start to the week as we are feeling pretty grounded and aware, and our emotional energy is driven to get to work and sort out whatever duties or projects are before us. And there may be some irritations here and there, uh, along with some potential stubbornness in our position as the moon conjuncts Mars and then later makes a trine to Pluto, yet we are pushing through in the physical world and getting things done at a slow but steady pace. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is still in Taurus, but she will make uh, her way into Gemini rather early here uh, on the Pacific coast, around almost 9 o'clock in the morning. And throughout the day, she will make a sextile to Mercury. And so, same thing as Monday, we don't have exact planetary aspects um, going on. So, the bottom line for Tuesday is that the morning is likely to feel grounded upon waking, you know, because the moon is still in Taurus there. But then everything is going to speed up once Luna makes her way into Gemini uh, in that early mid-morning space. And with Luna making a sextile to Mercury, and this being a heavily mercurial week, there is likely to be significant correspondence taking place in both the inner and outer worlds. And our minds are probably going to be all over the place as we entertain the plethora of thoughts and ideas that are coming in. Business will probably be popping, and if you need to send out some emails or get in touch to share some info, this is a great day to do that. We are likely going to feel, you know, a little bit restless from now through Thursday, especially while the moon is in Gemini making that first quarter position. So prepare yourself for that heightened state of emotional energy. Now, Wednesday, we have the moon in Gemini still, and she will make a trine to Venus and a square to Neptune. But also of note, we have the sun making a sextile to Pluto and then a square to Jupiter that day. And so let's break that down a bit. We're going to kind of meld these transits together. And so the sun, you know, that's our life force. That's what we become consciously aware of uh, and where we usually turn a page because we are now aware of something. Um, And so what are we aware of? Well, we are aware of a sextile with Pluto and sextiles create opportunities or we open a door to something, but we have to, t- we have to literally turn the knob because it won't happen just for us like a trine. Um, but we are turning the doorknob uh, towards change, you know, purifying a situation, transforming a situation, uh, working through some uh, instinctual material. Um, and then with the, mo- or with the sun squaring Jupiter, you know, squares are initiating something in a way where 
events are brought forth or there's some action taking place or a challenge or a tension. Um, and so that tension or that challenge or where we're, you know, dynamically pushing forward is just that, pushing forward, expanding our world, growing in some way, uh, getting ready for movement or being aware of what is moving forward. And so our consciousness spotlight is shining down on us to let us know that change is here. And with the sun contacting both Pluto and Jupiter, we are pushing into new territory and our emotional awareness is transitioning and releasing in a way that is setting up the conditions necessary to grab a hold of our inner authority and our empowerment and make the life shifts that are necessary. And we are all well aware of what is no longer working. As we are consciously ready to activate new beliefs around what is possible, while also seeing what is in need of reform. There is a positive tension taking place that is getting pumped for all the possibilities that the future holds, and our spirits are likely feeling a bit more adventurous than usual. There is the ability to take on too much, so be aware of that. And it's also possible that others may not agree with uh, what we're doing or where we're going, or we could find ourselves at cross purposes in our desired directions. So if you encounter these scenarios, try your best to find common ground and to cultivate that spirit of cooperation or flexibility. And so we are becoming animated in a way that steers us towards initiating improvements in our personal goals, our work life, and the material realm as a whole, uh, while also finding inspiration through the need for freedom and fresh experience, which is very Jupiter in Sagittarius. So the bottom line for Wednesday is, is that first quarter is brewing and it is likely to be felt the strongest today. And as we are pushing forward with our ability to be adaptable and move with the changing energy. And it's likely that some pieces of our puzzle are coming together. So, you know, we're putting those pieces, you know, we're seeing this big picture. And so it's likely to be a chatty day with a lot of socializing taking place, especially with that trine to Venus. Um, And airing out our thoughts and ideas with others may be on offer. Now, that midday square to Neptune may have the energy slow down a bit and possibly kick in those more retrograde moments, because we got to remember Mercury's retrograde here. Um, So we may not necessarily see things as clearly as we'd like, or we may be more uh, in a position to make a mistake of some sort. So, you know, do whatever you can to double check whatever it is you're working on today, because it just might need that, you know, second glance. Now, in the evening, the moon approaches in opposition to Jupiter, and we are likely to feel a bit emotional uh, with some mental tension in regards to where life is pushing forward. Yet, we may also feel activated and, you know, enthused by just that excitement that's coming in as well. So, it could go either way or kind of feel like a little bit of both. Now, on Thursday, technically we have our first quarter moon in Gemini. That's taking place at like three in the morning here on the Pacific Coast. Um, So, you know, it's definitely more of that Wednesday vibe. But, you know, Thursday is going to be there as well. So on Thursday, the moon will make that first quarter position, but then she'll move into Cancer uh, later in the afternoon here. And along the way, she'll make that opposition to Jupiter super early that I just mentioned in the previous day, uh, a square to the sun, which is known as our first quarter. And then she's going to square Mercury retrograde and make a sextile to Uranus. Now, 
if that's not enough going on with the moon, <laughs> we also have Mars trining Saturn that day and Mercury retrograde making its inferior conjunction with the sun. So now, you know, we do have first quarter and I'm not going to go into it too much because I kind of covered that in my bottom lines here. Um, but just note, you know, that we're having a first quarter moon in Gemini, which is ruled by Mercury. So we're adding even more mercurial influence uh, and significance to this week and what is pushing forward on both the mental realm and the emotional realm. Um, so it is all Mercury all week um, here which means it's probably going to go by really fast. <laughs> All right, so let's look at that Mars trine Saturn. You know, Mars is how we direct our energy, what we put our energy to, what we focus our energy on, how we drive ourselves forward, where we are motivated. But also, you know, uh, there's going to be some anger and, you know, potential accidents here, but not with this particular um uh, aspect. It's actually a pretty solid one. So I, I think it's going to be pretty positive, to be honest. Uh, because we have a trine. A trine is sudden. It's flowing. Things are developing. There's no obstacles. We are just on our way. Um, where are we on our way to with our motivated drive here? Well, we are headed to Saturn. And Saturn is about uh, structure, you know, our framework, our organizational skills and planning, um, but also what we're committed to and how we consolidate our energy and resources uh, and really where we're driving for that long-term goal. Now, uh, Mars is currently in Taurus and the Saturn, of course, is in uh, his home domicile of Capricorn. So these are Earth signs um, here. So during this time, we have more energy than usual to work at something that may need considerable concentration and effort. Uh, and because this trine is taking place in Earth signs, there is a flow of grounded energy that allows us to tackle whatever project that is before us. We are moving at a slower yet steady pace, and it's quite possible that we are working on, uh, or what we are working on, will be noticed by others and given some sort of acknowledgement, especially by those in a position of authority, which is a very Saturnian position. And our action energy is dedicated to our goals, and we are willing to work within limitations in order to see a project through. Um, we're also operating in a practical manner, a very pragmatic approach, and we're probably pre feeling pretty solid with our direction, um, making this day a, a day to really root down and persevere towards whatever is before us. So I think we can kind of get, we're gonna, just going to be flowing with the motions of what needs to be done on, on the earthly plane. Now, Mercury retrograde making uh, that inferior conjunction to the sun, you know, Mercury is our perception, how we learn, communications, news, uh, the ideas that pop into our head, all that stuff. And of course, it is in Pisces, so, you know, it has that emotional bent or it's not that normal reasoning process. Uh, and that's why we might have that tension with first quarter moon in Gemini, because Gemini is that reasoning process where that Pisces energy is more about like, oh, I just sense it. I just feel it coming in. <laughs> so uh, that's where there can be a little tension there. Um, but essentially, we are starting a new cycle here. Any conjunction is a new cycle where those energies are merging and becoming one. And so Mercury is becoming one with the sun. Once again, that conscious awareness and that spotlight um, of what energy essentially needs to be animated. 
Now, if you uh, missed the Mercury episode, I did a Mercury episode with Jack Marsh back um, a couple months ago. It was episode 38, I believe. We talked all about Mercury. So if you want to get in there with Mercury this week, I definitely suggest going back to that podcast and getting a taste of what Mercury is all about because we really got in there. Now, as far as this transit's concerned, I really love that the inferior conjunction of the sun and Mercury is happening as we have these positive and empowering transits taking place simultaneously. For when Mercury meets the sun in this uh, seeding type of phase, we are getting a nugget of awareness to be planted for the whole of the cycle, really until these two meet again in the next Mercury retrograde. So this is also the time when Mercury from a heliocentric view is in conjunction with the earth. So this is actually the closest that Mercury gets to us on earth. So be sure to listen for a moment of clarity regarding both the past and the future, especially in relation to Pisces-related things, like our spiritual selves or our personal dreams and ideals, or uh, possibly a moment of illumination. And then in the remaining weeks of the retrograde cycle, uh, we, you know, that will be the time of creativity and entertaining the possibilities of the forward direction and where we will try on a few things for size to see how it, you know, how it fits or how it feels before we do the full implementation process, which would be when Mercury goes direct. So there will be that tension between being ready for the new and having to wait until the time is right. So, you know, hang in there, baby. (laughs) But, you know, Mercury goes direct on the 28th. And then by that time, I think the mind will uh, be aligning with that best way to proceed. So the bottom line for Thursday is is that Mercury is triggered as we wake up. Uh, And it's, you know, it's quite possible while we were sleeping, we kind of got that download too. So definitely pay attention to your dreams the night prior here because part of that Piscean download might be more in that you know unconscious uh, dream realm. So that could be very important on a day like today. But, you know, we really do have a two-part day here because, uh, you know, we have that mental energy that is still buzzing and we got busyness going, all, you know, all around us. Um, and especially with that midday sextile to Uranus, we're going to add a little electricity to the day as well. You know, that static in the air. It will feel that buzzing frequency that, you know, might put us in more of a highly alert state. But then, you know, towards the end of the afternoon or early evening, that energy is going to slow down and become more sensitive once Luna moves into Cancer. Um, And so that detached air vibe uh, of before, you know, with Gemini, um, is probably going to give way to lend to a greater emotional, uh, you know, sensing going on. And so this might be a perfect time to have a night in, nestled in your cozy home with a nice meal, because that might be just what your, your soul and your spirit needs most at this time. Now, on Friday, the moon is fully in Cancer, and she will make a trine to Neptune and an opposition to Saturn. And that day, we have Mercury retrograde square Jupiter. Um, So once again, we know what Mercury is doing here, you know, all those thoughts, communications, information, news, etc. And we got a square again. So we have that tension. We have that challenge. Things are being activated. Um, And once again, Jupiter is that worldview, expanding what that looks like, growing, moving, you know, willing to move into the future here. And so... 
now that the sun has already hit this point with Jupiter on Wednesday, because we got to remember that like, like the sun and Mercury, I see, you know, have already met. So they're kind of seeding uh, there. And so we are taking that all that conscious awareness uh, through that Mercury-Sun conjunction and then becoming enthusiastic for what is next because now that optimism and that clarity can seed into, uh, you know, into the mind and we are really focused on the big picture of it all. Uh, and it's quite possible that we are drawing up our future plans uh, where we are more aware of the entirety of our lives at this time. And with the mind now understanding, you know, how the growth taking place feels rather than thinking about the finite details of how to make it all happen. It's more like we're, the mind is, is aware of how we feel. And it's more about activating our emotional enthusiasm for what lies ahead than sussing out all those parts. Remember, because it's kind of a big picture moment. And so this is a great day for imagineering and putting visions out into the universe. Um, so, you know, imagine yourself in your own idea of utopia. And, you know, make a vision board. This would be a great day or even this week in general would be a great uh, time to, uh, you know, get creative and, and, and put that out there on paper. Now, just a word of caution on a mundane note, as this is one of those uh, kind of loose lips sink ships positions, especially maybe when the moon was in Gemini like the day prior, uh, you know, we can go overboard in the verbal department uh, at this time, at this point in the week. So do your best not to fall prey to that proverbial foot and mouth disease. So <laughs> err on the side of saying less than more maybe at this time. So the bottom line for Friday is, is that this is likely a sensitive day where our intuition is quite lit up and downloads are just streaming in uh, and streaming down into our emotional awareness. Um, and it might not be the highest of energy on a day like today, especially with that trying to Neptune, yet we are sensing the spiritual at the same time we are confronted with the physical. And so this is a big picture day, and news can come in that pushes things forward, yet in a way that may seem limiting or as if we are losing something in the process. I and mean, that can cause a little vulnerability or maybe even some sentimentality to arise. Yet a larger vision is at play, and deep down we sense what is necessary in this process. So we, you know, we may vacillate a little bit in how we feel about it all. Now, on Saturday, the moon is in Cancer, but she will move to Leo uh, later in the evening. And along the way, she'll make a sextile to Mars, an opposition to Pluto, a trine to Mercury, a trine to the Sun, and then a square to Uranus. And so uh, we have another Mercury transit taking place. Uh, Mercury retrograde will make that sextile to Pluto. So basically, Mercury is making a transit every single day, you know, from basically about midweek out. <laughs> um, and so sextiles, once again, we have that opportunity. We're opening that door. And Pluto, like I said earlier, this is a transformative space and a purifying space and a space that requires change. And so, once again, we have Mercury retrograde retracing the steps of the sun. So we can see this week as almost a crisscross pattern with the sun and Mercury being those focal points. So now that our solar awareness has already lit up what is in need of change and purifying and how doing so will benefit our lives, now the mind comes into line with that understanding. 
And this can be an excellent day to do research or to examine your life in order to find your way to your own personal truth and integrity. As we are learning about those more instinctual and deeply rooted parts of ourselves. And your mind may even begin to change on a matter that you were once quite rooted in. So be open to transformative shifts and be willing to listen in order to download content that is trying to connect with you, to reflect on your deeper purpose and how that fits in in relation to uh, your outer world and really society itself. So the bottom line for Saturday is, is that here we have another day of the mind intuiting and sensing the changes that are underway. And this could be an excellent day to do a little spring cleaning to your home or even your digital devices if they are becoming a bit clogged up. And we are likely to be entertaining the past, uh, as the moon is in Cancer, yet in a way that can help, you know, free ourselves from that influence of, uh, of, of the past while also honoring, you know, the good times that were had, you know, being willing to be like, that was great, but I'm, I can let go now. <laughs> and so that emotional self is flowing well with our current awareness. So, you know, for most of the day, really. And so we're likely to feel quite content, I think, throughout this day. Now, the moon, though, will move into Leo and square Uranus a little later in the the evening. So there may be some unexpected drama or some irritation that arises um, or just some type of unexpectedness or restlessness comes up. So be flexible and, you know, flow with whatever arrives. Because likely you're being asked to expand your comfort zone in some way. So, you know, try changing some things up a bit. Now, on Sunday, the moon is in Leo, and there actually is no lunar aspects taking place, but it is St. Patrick's Day. So if you celebrate, you know, drink a green beer. (laughs) Now, our last Mercury transit of the week, like we haven't had enough, will be Mercury retrograde making a sextile to Mars. So, you know, we've already established what Mercury is. We've already established that a sextile, you know, gives us an opportunity there. Um, And we've already established that Mars is how we drive things forward, where we're motivated, how we assert our things and take focused action. And so with all these Mercury transits taking place and now the sextile to Mars sneaking its way in, this week in general is likely to be quite busy, particularly in the latter half of the week. Chances are you'll be running around, getting things done, and working on whatever is in need of your attention. Conversations will probably be up, and if we need to talk, you know, have a talk with someone, we can now cultivate the conditions to do so. You may even have to stand up for yourself in a matter today, yet if you find yourself in that situation, you will likely be given the respect by doing so. And so the mind is infused with confidence to take action on our ideas. So use this time to get things moving and possibly bring things to completion in the process. So the bottom line for Sunday is is that Luna is all Leo today as she makes no exact aspects to other planets. So our hearts are lit up and we are following the stream of our passions. There is likely to be enthusiasm and warmth in the air, and we are feeling ambitious and inspired to tackle whatever is before us. So if it aligns with the heart on Sunday, I would say just do it. All right, so to wrap it all up, because Lord knows that was a lot, (laughs) uh, the mind gets a workout this week, and it's key to keep an ear open and listen to the intuitive pieces of the puzzle that are raining down into our awareness. The future is starting to become clearer, yet patience is still needed as there is a ways to go before we can get there. 
All right, so now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little something something to everything that I just spoke of earlier. And so this week I drew the Two of Cups as the focus and the Eight of Pentacles as the grounding. And so with the Two of Cups as the focus, we are seeing two compatible forces come together in the spirit of cooperation, and that can look many ways on many levels. The natural go-to with this card is to look at it as the card of lovers or soulmates that are strengthened by their union and coming from a place of emotion and heart. Essentially, it signifies an alliance being made, and it is of a positive nature. Yet sometimes it's all about the alliance of the self and having our own masculine and feminine come together in harmony, a place where we are internally balanced and able to make heart-based decisions from that centeredness. Overall, there is a healing vibe to this card, and the emotional self is coming together for integration, uh, with this energy being the forebearer of an advantageous and fruitful situation to come. Now, with the Eight of Pentacles as the grounding, the harmonious alliance of the two meets with the aspirations of the Eight, suggesting that we are to become one with our craft, or perhaps that we are dedicating ourselves to the skills that we are currently developing or that we are seeking to develop. And so the hard work that is indicative of this card really speaks to Mars trining Saturn this week. And with all that water and Earth energy, these cards do not surprise me one bit. So it's as if the emotional self is aligning with this willingness to practice, put in the time, and perfect our craft so that we may experience rewards down the road. The two of these cards together signify that our hearts and emotional selves are aligning with the material world, and we are feeling as if we are on track. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the elk. Our well-respected hoofed friend here is also bringing more of that grounding earth element in this week with his natural sure-footedness that is rooted in a baseline support and stability. We are feeling more solid than ever and willing to stand up for what we truly value in life, embodying a strength that helps us to be resilient with whatever life throws at us, while also staying consistent in regards to what matters most. So puff out your chest a little this week and embody the strength and dignity of this great beast. It will help you feel solid to the core. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how that interacts with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Every week, I make a custom tarot spread uh, for you to pull the cards on your own. And you can pull any cards. You can pull tarot cards, oracle cards. Um, I mean, you can even do runes or... You know, you can get really creative. It's just sparking questions that we are uh, going to use placements for. And so last week we worked on contemplating possibilities, and this week we are working on knowing your intent. So if you want to find out more about that and even check out a freebie spread, you can do so over on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome back to the podcast, Akila. Thank you for joining me again. 
Hi, Melissa. And How are you? Thank you for having me. Yes. And we, uh, we had convened before, what was it, last August. We uh, were talking on some Scorpio business, but that was also when Mars was retrograde at that time. And maybe even Mercury back then, I can't remember, but... The, the retrograde soup is just all a blur in my mind now. But <laughs> so uh, we connected again and I asked her, you know, what is it? What do you like to talk about? What, what's fascinating you? And so she was like, well, I'm into some retrogrades in, in general and in the natal chart. And so we're going to be talking about that today. But before we get started here, Akila, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Melissa. Well, I've been uh, studying astrology for the past, uh, let's say, 20 years now. I've been practicing astrology as well. I definitely love planetary retrogrades, whether it's natally, whether it's through transit or whether it's progression. Um, it's something that I have a really big interest in because I have, um, I have post-planetary retrograde energy in my chart. So I know from firsthand how to navigate and deal with that energy after watching my cycles and rhythms and then dealing with other clients. So it's interesting for me because I know that retrogrades affect a lot of people's either mental state, physical state, or social state dealing with um, their surrounding and their atmosphere. So I really just like to get into the retrograde and see um, how other people navigate their retrogration. And if they even know they have that kind of energy that is present in their uh, force field. Because a lot of people think they're slow or you think they can't catch up when it's really just your energy is not really meant to go in that direction. It's supposed to be doing something else. Mm, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it as well because we don't, you know, you, well, we're usually talking about transits and, and what's going on mm -hmm. in the sky. And, and that's very important, but uh, there's a lot to be said with retrogrades within the natal chart. And a, a lot of people, you know, I'll sit down with people who have never had their chart read and, and sometimes with people who have, and, and I'll be like, oh, do you know you have Mercury? You were born when Mercury is retrograde or Venus. And they're like, what? Really? You know? <laughs> and it's, it, it is a key piece to the chart on many levels, especially those personal planets. So I can't wait to uh, pick your brain on um, just the nature of retrogrades here. And so, is it, um, do you have a lot of retrogrades in your own chart or what sparked your personal interest of like, this fascinates me? Uh, well, what sparked my interest with the retrograde really has to do with a family, actually. My mother is not a person that likes to talk too much about things. So I had to use astrology to kind of go backwards in time to see what was happening um, around my birth. So I started with looking at the year Two year, a year before I was born and a year after I was born. Because mm. I wanted to see what planetary energy was, what was happening in the sky, not just when I was born, but right before I was born. And then also after to see how it affected uh, just in, in overall my, my energy field. So, because um, I always find, I always found I had, a, I have a Mars in Aries and I have my moon in Aries and it's very Martian, but I always find, and I also have a Venus in Libra. So that's real like... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like really yeah. But I always found that I was more, um, I would be airing with a lot of things, but then I would find I'm very Libra-ish with a lot of other things. So I was like, okay, what is going on with my Mars? Like something's not functioning right. Because I know a lot of people with Mars in Aries direct and they're very like going like a thousand miles an hour 
I can say, sometimes not even looking to see what's happening around them, mm-hmm. but I find I'm always very observant with my surroundings. Um, so then when I looked at the chart, um, I realized that I was born with a Mars uh, post-retrograde. So my Mars never really reached the, like the, where it was right before the retrogression started. So I always found that I always had to keep going backwards physically, my physical energy yeah. to do something, more to, you know, and I was like, what's up with that? So when I really looked at it, I started looking at all my personal planets and um, I have Venus in Libra and I was trying to find out what was going on in the year that I was born, both Venus and Libra retrograde, both Venus and Mars retrograde. So I knew that there was, there was a click there because I'm very um, androgynous. So I'm very like feminine and masculine energy. I love to weigh the two energies together. And it made so much sense when I realized that Mars and um, Venus were retrograding literally right before my birth. Like Venus was a couple months before and Mars was literally like a couple days after my birth, a couple days before my birth, it went direct. So um, I found that intriguing and I started really looking at my life and applying it to other transits. And I was like, whoa, okay, Eureka, you got it. <laughs> yeah, all that. I love that point, Akila, because with Mars having stationed direct right before you were born, like if you just look at the chart, you're not going to see any type of evidence of retrograde Mars, right? No. Uh, but really, yeah, that's when we have to get in there and start looking mm-hmm. at, like you were going back and, you know, looking at maybe the ephemeris and seeing the transits that happened uh, before then. But also when you look at planetary speed, you'll be able mm-hmm. to see, um, you know, how, plan- how fast that planet was operating at the time mm-hmm. you were born. And, uh, you know, I have kind of a similar story, but on the other end of it where... Uh, I have Mercury really slow in my chart um, because Mercury was slowing down the station retrograde less than a week after my birth. So (laughs) yeah, so even though I don't have Mercury retrograde in the chart per se, um, I have a very slow Mercury that Mm -hmm. in essence still kind of operates with that retrograde flavor because Mm -hmm. um, you know it's just in a slower state. through progressions, it retrogrades, which we'll get into in a little bit here. But um, yes, that's another thing. Yeah, that is another thing. So don't you be fooled out there if you're like, I don't have Mercury retrograde or I don't have, you know, chances are uh, it's pretty common to at some point in your life, especially if you live a long one, to have Mercury retrograde <laughs> through your chart at some time. Yes, for sure. Yeah, um, I find it very interesting with Mercury ent- retrograde people to be. Uh, I love Mercury retrograde individuals. To be very honest, um, I have my Mercury conjunct Pluto and Scorpio, so um, I'm very like I like to keen in, zone into a lot of things. And I notice that people with Mercury retrograde tend to have the same kind of energy because they're not just looking for facts; they're looking for everything. They're looking, they're listening to the way the person said the word. They're watching the vibrations of the body. They're listening to the mental also like chatter that's around them to see if they would like their mental, like their mind to be engaged in something like that. I also find with Mercury retrograde natives that um, they take in a lot of information Mm. on a particular subject or many subjects, depending on the sign element and aspects that will be made to that Mercury as well. Especially if Uranus has been... Uh, aspecting that Mercury, or oh, forget it, the person's going to probably 
have their 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 introverted mental energy in a lot of different things. But I do find with people with Mercury retrograde, as they get older, um, they tend to function, I find, way better than people with Mercury direct because they're able to see things, or let me say this, they're able to pick up things with their antenna that other people cannot pick up. <laughs> you tell me what you think about that, Melissa. Is that, is that your experience? Um, well, I mean... For for me personally, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that you say the antenna because, and you're actually bringing up a memory that I haven't thought about in a long time. Especially when I think about Mercury actually slowing down to retrograde in my progress chart, and this might be getting advanced because we haven't gotten there yet. But around mm-hmm. that time, I was about you know seven, eight years old. And it was very common for me in that period of my life where I would play a game with myself, where I would listen to the radio and listen, and I would listen with my antenna to what would come next before it would come next. And I would be astonishingly correct with uh, just sensing what the next song was going to be that would come on. Um, and so that's interesting because Mercury was stationing at that point in my life. And that was a fun game I'd like to play with myself. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I agree with you because there is like, if we think about retrograde planets in, in general, and we use maybe the term it, loosely, of course, m- maybe the retrograde is more of an introverted, you know, subjective experience versus that direct planet, which can be more extroverted or, you know, objective and out there. And so if we're looking at the mind and its subjectivity and its ability to like really go in there and like almost like almost like your Mercury Pluto conjunction, you know, like get intense analytics and being able to kind of reason everything out and pick apart everything. You know, for better or worse though, because that can be exhausting over time. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. that's where the Mercury retrograde individual um, at some point realizes like this is maybe too much, you know, because it's, it's like almost like a blessing and a curse, depending on how you get to use it, you know, and maybe that's where it comes in when, saying in, in, when they get older, <laughs> they realize the strength of that. Yeah. So for sure, for sure. I also find with uh, Mercury retrograde, um, situations with friendships, siblings, environment, cars, anything that has to do with third house kind of, energy, mm. uh, that becomes more prominent. Also communicating, connecting, um, meeting, greeting, all that kind of, even languages, different languages, or just learning how to, um, uh, greetings in different languages. That's something a Mercury retrograde person I find is very interested in, or the relationship with the family is very interesting. The Mercury retrograde individual or situations with paperwork is very interesting with Mercury retrograde. Meaning that they're always either forgetting something or on the ball with everything that has to do with paperwork because of, of uh, the function of Mercury when it goes um, uh, retrograde. Um, you said something about your progress. Mercury also uh, is now because ret- it was your Mercury stationary retrograde. Um, Retrograding your chart, you said you can't see it with the naked eye. You have to go back into the ephemeris. Yes. And I find that, that there was something that was probably happening that you needed to, for your energy needed to go back and reassess um, before even like to move on to that, to that next degree or that next phase. I also like to look at, when you talked about speed, I like to look at degrees also. Degrees are very important for me in a birth chart. Mm-hmm. I can literally map out someone through degrees only. I don't even need to see the aspect sometimes. The degrees tell me what was the function 
the degrees before the retrograde, the degree during the retrograde, and the degrees post-retrograde when they all add them up. I look at what was, I'm, I'm asking myself, what was this energy trying to do? And what did it have to go back for? And I look at the person's chart like the same thing. What is this person trying to do? And what do they always need to go back for when they're doing something regarding that Mercury or in of that planet in that house specifically? Mm. Um, and sometimes if people are more um, symbolistic and they're not really numerical, I use astrology, uh, I use tarot cards to break down the degree points for them, whether it's in water, air, fire, or earth. So I use the different elements as well so they can see that that degree rounding it down to the numerology point. So it's very interesting when you put all that together, you tend to see a story and the person will understand the story by looking at the picture. Using the, um, the Rider Wyatt deck though, uh, Rider Wyatt deck, I don't use other decks. I like to keep the real- um, Like the symbolism. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like that deck is uh, Pamela Colin Smith, the designer. I think she really illustrated everything beautifully enough in that. So I use that deck to also help me with the degrees also. No, oh, I like that. I'm I'm interested in that technique. It's well, there's a lot you can tell. There's a lot you can tell by degrees. I mean, I'm a fan of Sabian symbols, and I use those a okay. lot in, in my work, um, which is along those lines. Um, there's a fellow astrologer, Christopher Wateki. I don't know if you've heard of him before, um, but he has this whole. He's will eventually write a book on it, but he has a whole system of. Um, uh, he calls it a step system where he, he just uses degrees himself too. And he, it's based off of numerology um, and, and chakra. And it's fascinating. And I follow his work and I have for a long time. And I've, yes. So basically what I'm saying is that there is a lot you can tell by a particular degree. And I love that mm-hmm. you brought that talking about what needs to go back to be, Mm-hmm. To be, you mm-hmm. know, perhaps integrated um, and, and reviewed. If we're thinking about Mercury retrograde, you know, because this isn't Mercury is an intellectual process. <laughs> you know, it's an understanding, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and and I'm thinking about my own chart right now, of course, because what all the Leo planets are like. Well, let me just relate it back to me. Uh, <laughs> so really wasn't until my late 20s that Mercury finally went direct in my progressed chart. And to this day, uh, it has not reached its natal position that it started at. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot to be said for that too, because when we have these progressed movements, um, there's going to be, there was a nugget of awareness that came in when that stationed direct again for me at the end of my mm-hmm. 20s. And there's another one on the way when it makes it back to its natal point because it's like a full circle, right? Um, and I, you know what? I've had to go through a lot of my own mental processes in order mm-hmm. to even make the choices that I did at the, my, the end of my 20s and the, to take the path mm-hmm. that, you know, was calling to me because they're... The mind and the emotions together really were operating in a way that wouldn't facilitate me to be able to do what I was doing until I had that period with myself. So I totally agree with what you're saying and that having to go back um, in order to, I don't know, integrate or understand or direct it even. Assimilate it. Oh, yeah. Into your... Um, very interesting that you brought up your progress Mercury going direct. The fact that it is still traveling where Mercury was, um, still retrograding, um, where Mercury was still was retrograding during the time of your birth, because, um, with me, it's the same thing, but with my Mars, 
Mm. So we're going to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. Just to give people like a a different perspective of uh, how this energy works. Uh, My Mars got to its natal uh, position, actually. Passed it already, but it got to its natal position. And before then, I was picking partners that were being dictated by my family. Martian energy, either male, masculine energy or something like that. When Mars got to its station, like its its actual point of finishing the post shadow, you know, where it was and everything, everything changed for me regarding relationships with masculine energy, myself and my physical energy, uh, how I express my also willpower and uh, my creative work because I have Mars in a fire element and we know that's very confident. My confidence began to like exude more. I felt more powerful once it reached that that point. And now it's crazy because the Mars is now in another in another zone in the chart, but it's still in the same sign. But now it's this Mars is learning so much different things. But what it's doing, what I've noticed with myself, is incorporating all that backwards energy, all that forward energy, and then using that to also assimilate every masculine uh, willpower energy that's coming at it. And I also find that um, my taste in a lot of my like my movements, where I wanted to go changed, you know? Mm. Before it was, I would probably go to this place or that place as a friend or something. Now it's usually more self-oriented. It's more directed at myself. I'm really, I have zero patience for people anymore, you know? But my Mars post-retrograde showed me how to be patient with people, but also the type of people to use my patience with Mm. and the ones to not use my patience with because the Martian energy was being used in other people's world because I didn't know how to how to navigate my Mars energy before all that retrograde energy posted and stopped right there. So that was very interesting. You talk about your Mercury with that. And I also find with my Mars retrograde, I attract certain type of men. I was attracting certain type of men in my life before it reached its pinnacle of that retrograde point. And after that, I started attracting men that just loved that, you know, that fire in me more so when before... They more so like the, the calm, okay, let's let's do this because it's nice and it's pretty. And now, you know, it's, it's a different type of fire that's coming uh, from my energetic field. Uh, but I understand it, so I, I, get, I get it a lot. You know what I mean? So this helps people also understand it, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's, your, it's your unique journey, your retrograded planet's unique journey. Figuring out yourself sometimes, I feel. Um, and I feel... Sometimes you're better off having retrograde planets because you get a better self-awareness of yourself. I find people that don't have that much retrogration in their chart, they're too, um, depending if Saturn is that aspecting thing, that's a whole nother ballgame. <laughs> but with Saturn aspecting something, it may slow down that, you know, limit that planet a little bit to do what it wants to do. But when you have a retrograde planet and, and Saturn is even aspecting that, you're definitely going to learn uh, either how to do something from uh, adults, authority, or people around you that are older, or maybe they may teach you the wrong way or the right way to navigate that energy. And when your planet goes direct by progression, if it ever does, you get to initiate um, the way you want to use that energy to me from what, I, from what I've seen in my astrological um, also consultations with my other clients. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I love your story about Mars and how that changed with what you attracted. And and why I find that interesting is because we have to remember, first off, number one, 
with retrogrades. The only reason we experience retrogrades is because we are on earth. No planet is ever retrograding. It's there. No one's ever going backwards and that's never happening. Right. (laughs) Um, but it's our geocentric view that is what gives us the retrogrades to begin with. Mm -hmm. So actually the sun itself is very much tied in with the nature of retrogrades and how we, um, you know, Mm -hmm. consciously integrate them because the sun is a key factor in us even deeming a planet retrograde. Now to, Play that into what you were saying about mm-hmm. Mars, and I love this connection because basically any uh, you know superior planet that is past the Earth, you know Mars to Pluto, when it's retrograde, it is essentially opposite the Sun. That is the that's the cycle. It's it's creating an opposition, and so with an opposition, a lot of times mm-hmm. we get reflections, right, or we get conflict because there's something that mm-hmm. is outside of us. And so I love how you had this one more almost like Libra-ish type of energy that you were attracting when that was still going on because there was almost like a projection of that going out and you were getting that back. But then when you found that fire and you Uh reconnected with that within yourself, then that same style projection was bringing you back people that it's like really dug that and was like, yeah, I love your, you know, your passion and your, and so that makes a lot of sense within just that relationship um, and that pr- potential for projection, especially with the superior planets. Mm-hmm. So I think oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It definitely helped me understand other people's movements, my movements and movements in general, mm. because I think my Mars being a stationary, uh, stationary, uh, uh, sorry, excuse me. Um, post, Mercury post, in Pisces, uh, retrograde. Yeah. Yeah. Post retrograde. I also realized because I, I always assessed my, um, my masculine attraction. What, what, what is, why am I attracting these people? I, I mean, I'm very self, self analytical. Remember Mercury's conjunct Pluto. This is why I feel people with Mercury retrograde is always self-analyzing. And I've, and I've watched this with clients. I am also a teacher, so I work with children. And sometimes a child has a different style of learning. And it literally takes one person to kind of realize it and realize, okay, this child needs this kind of learning. They need this kind of learning or, you know, kind of putting in the multiple intelligence type mm-hmm. of thing in the field of astrology as well, because not everybody is going to have the same way of experiencing their Mercury retrograde. Because some may have it in fire, earth, water, air, and that's that's like that energy that's pent up a little bit, and they really need to sh- like find a way to express it in their force field, in their energy field. So when that when that Mercury or that Mars or that Venus or whatever personal planets are, are retrograding, there there's a personal need, a personal need uh, from my perspective. Um, to find a way to integrate this energy, but find a way to integrate it that it works for you, for mm-hmm. you. It doesn't need to work for other people, but it needs to work for you because that energy, if it doesn't work for you, somebody else will make that energy work for it. That's how I've also noticed about retrograde energy um, because you're projecting a lot. That energy is coming back at you. It's like a, like you said, a seesaw type of energy. Mm-hmm. So it comes to you in the form of people, experiences, uh, challenges. Yeah. Uh, also, a big, big thing with challenges. I've noticed this a lot. People with uh, retrograde personal planets tell me they're personally always feeling like they're facing challenges in their day to day. Whereas the generational planets, it's more so like, you know, what's happening around them. 
uh, and things that are really out of their control. That's different. That's a little bit different. But the personal planets, that's ours to harness. That's ours to use that field of energy and feel like, okay, I'm balancing this. I'm doing that. I'm able to work this out. And I'm using my force field for it. As opposed to first of uh, outer planets, you're using the energy of your generation. You're using the energy of the world around you, your atmosphere, whatever it is. Those tend to be the things that play a really big key uh, part in that retrogression like, uh, phase from the personal to the, to the outer. Mm. Um, I know you yeah. told me that. Is it Mercury is the only planet that you have retrograding your chart? Well, and it's not technically retrograde, but it is slow, like <laughs> like oh, that I mean, Mars for you. Um, but no, I have. I mean, I have Uranus and Neptune. Those are the only. Um, that's what I have stationary. But to play off of what not stationary, but retrograde. Um, but to play off of what you're saying with education, because I think that's a very important fact, and especially when we're looking at Mercury mm-hmm. retrograde, uh, because people learn different. Mm-hmm. They do, and it, we you, we can't be in this yes. homogenized system, um, you know, spitting people out in in only one way of doing it. And for an example, I had a friend who um, has Mercury retrograde in Aquarius, and and she's a Virgo rising, so that's going to make that very that Mercury very important for her. Now, when she mm-hmm. said that when she was young, she had some learning difficulties. She just had, you know, it was just different and harder for her to keep up or to just integrate, you know, the knowledge, the way that they were sharing it. However, she entered at the same age, she entered a contest where everyone had to write a poem uh, about, you know, more of an artistic and creative process. She won the damn thing, you know, like, so even though she had these learning difficulties and, and within relation to how the school was set up, when she was given that creative outlet, because I've noticed Mercury retrograde, because it's such an internalized process and does things quite differently, um, it, it, it gets a very creative process. And you'll see a lot of artists and musicians that have this placement. Um, but she was able, you know, despite being labeled as someone with learning difficulties, to win a writing challenge. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, it's also interesting about her is that she gets motion sickness in cars and she's always, she always has to have the front seat. She can't be in the back because, (laughs) so when you were talking about cars and Mercury retrograde, that made me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, you have to look at the details when you're looking at an astrology chart. You know that it's really more like the bread and the butter comes from how is this person really using it? Um, For my, uh, educational background experience that I've had with children is when that planetary energy is retrograding, it's looking at the other sign. Mm. It's looking at the other sign. It wants to know what the hell is happening with the other sign. It, it, it's more so pulling the other sign to it. So your friend having her Mercury retrograde in Aquarius, I find that Aquarius is looking at Leo. Mm-hmm. Leo is the artist and, and when the, the one that can express itself a lot more on a free kind of stage as where Aquarius is more um, systematic and it can, it can look at things very uh, scientific. Uh, but when it comes to creating things, it's Leo that's really the creator. It's really Leo, the sun that gives that energy. So I can see where her Mercury retrograde in Aquarius being a, a Virgo rising affected her expression, you know, her whole yeah. expression, uh, her being, and that's with words. Words are, are her way of expressing herself, but she just had to find an outlet. And, and that's another thing too. You got retrograde planets. You're watching this video, try different techniques 
Try different things. You cannot stick to the same thing because if you do, you might stay stuck in that function and never really learn how to operate this energy in your life. Um, sometimes it happens by accident that somebody tells you something or you bump into something and this is kind of how you realize this about yourself. Mm. But I, I stress the multiple intelligence thing. Everyone has different ways of learning. The planetary energy, as in Venus, the beauty, the love, the money, the values, you know, now Uranus is a Taurus. All those people that have Venus retrograde in their natal chart, do you know how amazing this transit is going to be for these people? Because Venus retrograde is a very avant-garde, occurring type of love. So when we look at Uranus right now going uh, with Taurus, which is the first uh, Venetian ruled sign, and it has to do with basically the, your basic needs, you know, those basic things you need in life. I feel like all these people with their Venus retrograde is about to get a kiss from heaven, you know, the kiss from the sky, because now planetary energy time has come for this energy's uh, power and magnetism to finally be appreciated by uh, the, the greater, the greater world. Um, I'm a person born with Uranus in the second, in the second house. So I've been waiting for this trend. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> more, yeah. <laughs> It's here, girl. It's here. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting for this Uranus transit. And people want to uh, really want to talk about it like it's going to be something bad. If you have Uranus aspecting any of your personal planets, this is something you've probably been waiting for, too, and don't even know it. It's going to open up so much energy for you if you allow that energy in. So retrograde planets can also help outer planet aspected personal planet people. Mm. Any sense uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's more it's more like that. So the retrogression really can help uh, a lot because you're not thinking the same way. You're not functioning the same way. You're not acting the same way. You're not doing things the way the mainstream is doing this. So outer planets are really that kind of like force that kind of holds that. And when you have personal planets retrograding, you're going to attract a lot of outer planet people into your world, period, period. You know, for the good or for the bad, it depends on that person's experience in life. But you get to also navigate, okay, why is this weird kind of energy always approaching me? Why is mm. this or that coming my way? It's usually because you're a retrograded individual that needs someone from an outer planet energy to come to you or to find you or whatever to help you understand that you're okay. It's cool. Everybody learns different. <laughs> Everybody functions different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes people think they're slow. I have kids that are dyslexic that I work with. They think they're slow. So some of the most creative children that I work with are dyslexic and they don't have Mercury retrograde. But guess what they do have? Uranus and uh, strong aspect to their Mercury. Mm -hmm. Neptune and strong aspects to their Mercury. Pluto and strong aspect to their Mercury. Saturn and strong aspect. Strong aspect means any contact. Any contact to me is a strong aspect from the outer planet. So that's how that works to me in the force field of the human and how they want to like use this, this aspect to be very avant-garde in their life and to be okay with it, to be okay with it, depending on where that planetary energy is. And, and in progression, has it stayed uh, retrograded or is it going direct? Mm -hmm. um, a big thing too, I find. Mm. Well, no, that's, that's super interesting with the... Well, because if we think about Mercury retrograde, and because Mercury is a planet, it's all about reasoning and analyzing, you know, looking at logic, um, more of a scientific type of whole pull it apart, put all the pieces together type of thing. And so if it's internalized and retrograde there, of course, we're going to get a more creative right brain process because it's just sure. functioning different. Um, and sure. so, so like you said, you know, 
it's it's a shame that only us astrologers realize this, you know, in a world where when, when it's much needed to, you know, uh, see the different ways that people, uh, you know, take in this information or like mm-hmm. those dyslexic students, you know, not just because they're reading things backward, you know, <laughs> doesn't mean they're not gaining something from it or have this creative process. And I don't know. Um, so I digress, but let's talk about Venus a little bit since we gave Mercury and Mars some love. Yeah. Um, and I was laughing when you were talking. I forget exactly what you said because my my significant other he has uh, Venus retrograde, and he has um, and then, you know what's funny is he has Venus retrograde uh, in Virgo, which is about to um, be in a trine to Uranus, who just moved in Taurus. And um, oh, before nice. I, yes, before I go on real quick about that though, uh, to kind of play off of what you're saying about how Uranus and Taurus um, can help those Venus retrograde individuals is because no matter where you have Venus retrograde by sign or house, um, that's important, of course, but it's always going to give the flavor or help dictate the house that is ruled by either Taurus or Libra. And so having Uranus come into Taurus is, you know, significant, like Akilah said, for those Venus retrograde people, because essentially that house is is governed by that uh, retrograde Venus. Um, now, I like what you said earlier too, uh, how you were saying um, ab- about your own self and having a, an androgynous, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I relate to that as well. And my significant other is so like that, um, which is hilarious because he actually told me one time, and I'll never forget this because I laughed so hard. He's like, I feel like I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a lesbian trapped in a man's body. And I'm <laughs> oh, it just cracks me up. And I'm like, okay, I, I see how that, <laughs> I see that, okay. Um, because Venus is, and the whole idea of the, the retrograde Venus transit and, and when it meets the sun via, um, via the retrograde, and I talked about this with Kelly Surtees back in this, uh, October, um, is that, Venus is essentially uh, moving out of its male warrior state to then unify mm-hmm. as a whole in that androgynous part as it meets the sun in the inferior conjunction to then go on and be in that that feminine receptive state. So that's why Venus does represent those things such as you know wholeness and unity and the two parts coming together. Um, and so... So, yeah, and another interesting thing about him, too, and having this internalized Venus process is that he is always having socializing and relating struggles. He does mm-hmm. when he is having those challenges, like you had brought up earlier, how there's challenges from the outside, basically, to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, prompt these inner facilities to go in and, and, and look at this. He just, he just has a hard time of like understanding sometimes of what he's encountered from other people, especially if there's pushback or if he's right, if they're right, if you, um, he can get extreme paranoia because of it too, because mm-hmm. he just can't integrate it very well or the situation. Um, and, and because that's really less about his objective understanding of what's going on and it ties into that subjective view that he's encountering and trying to integrate that. So that's pretty interesting to me. Oh, for sure. Um, I find Venus, when we talk about the masculine feminine energy, uh, doesn't matter your sexual preference or um, how you view, you know, all of that in relationships. 
if you're a man and you have your Venus retrograde, you're not going to be attracted to the same things that every guy around you is. I mean, everyone's attracted to something different, but a Venus retrograde male, whether he's straight, gay, transgender, um, or just you know, doesn't want to be labeled as anything, your attraction to anything is going to be very uh, avant-garde. It's going to be different. It's not going to be the norm. And they have to just be okay with that. Just like women that have their Mars retrograde, your attraction to men are not going to be the same way. You're not going to be attracted to some like muscular, maybe, maybe physically, but that male uh, dominating energy that likes to control and consume. That's usually not what a Venus, a Mars retrograde female is attracted to. Mm. She needs a man that can pull that energy in and use it maybe to facilitate other things in his world and allow her to be her. Just like a, a Venus retrograde man needs to just facilitate the fact that I don't like what every guy likes and I'm okay with that. Or my lady or my man or whatever, my partner um, is going to have something about them that is odd and different and beautiful, but to me, and I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Because I think it also, um, when you look at the personal planet's retrogradation, it also helps you understand your relationships to your, to your, everyone around you really. And why is it that you're more attracted to certain individuals and not others? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big deal. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit um, on uh, the Martian energy. Before my Mars got stationed, uh, at the point that it went uh, retrograde, I was attracting a lot of man men that were very similar to my father, the sun. Oh, okay. The sun. Talk about the planetary energy and stuff like that. And after it it got to the to the point where it was done, completely different. Comple- I'm telling you, completely different energy came. Mm. Um, I also want to touch on the subject of people that don't have planetary retrogrades in their natal chart, but when you look at their progress chart. There's some retrogression going on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I had a client of mine that he's a, he was a man, he's a male, and he had no retrograde planets in his birth chart. But something told me, check out the progress chart and see what's going on before we do this session. And I look at the progress chart and I see Mars is retrograde and Saturn is retrograding. I'm like, eh? All of a sudden. This masculine energy, this physical energy turns inward. So immediately something told me, and I was looking at the degrees and the points that these planets were, and I was using my, my handy-dandy tarot cards to help me understand the understanding of the, um, the degree points as well. When I had this session with the, with the client, he was straight, had a daughter, and he was transitioning into... Um, his attraction for men, mm. being comfortable with that. Didn't know how to deal with the fact that he was attracted to men, but had already had encounters with men and was very attracted to androgynous looking type of woman. Mm. Very masculine, you know, when we talk about the, 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 your, the basic, like, oh, I'm, I'm masculine, whatever that means to people. Yeah. But he was very attracted to that. Um, and he even told me he felt more comfortable talking to me as a woman because my hair was shaved and it was mm. cut short. So it, it gave him this comfort level, even though I had a vagina. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I found, I found that very interesting. I always noted things like that when I did readings with people that had no retrogrades. And then all of a sudden there's a retrograde. 
I also had a female that had her Mercury and her Venus direct. And then she's like in her 60s now. The planets have turned retrograde. So I, I literally asked her during the session, how much love have you been given out? You know, how much have you been given out? Because right now it doesn't seem like it's time for you to give all that energy to other people anymore. It's mm-hmm. time for you to give it to you. She evolved crying. She couldn't understand. She was like, oh my gosh. And pinpointing the time that the retrogrations happen is very important too. Going back into the ephemeris, checking that those things out. But it does help a lot of people with understanding what, why is this happening to me? Why has this changed in my life drastically or dramatically? Um, so that's really interesting for, for me as an astrologer. It's also assist and help them understand it's okay. This is your, your, your evolving energy field is asking for this. Yeah. And the more that you try to fight it, the worse things are going to come to you. Like the more it's going to be more difficult for you to integrate all this energy and live more peacefully, you know, more uh, peaceful state of mind, I would say. Yeah. yeah. That's a, I love that story. That's, that's fascinating to me. And it speaks to so much how, you know, it, we are, like you said, this, there's it's this involving force and that's where the progressions really come in. And, you know, mm-hmm. you can look at the natal chart all day and there is a lot to be said there because that is essentially mm-hmm. the promise. But all, you know, the, all those shifts that we then encounter, sure, there's transits that are involved in that, but essentially those slow moving pro, pro, um, planets are the slow moving changes in the progressions. And that's why it's so stark when we do have these, um, either a planet goes retrograde or it, it turns the other way and goes direct because in the progress chart, it just takes so long for this to happen. And even the station itself can be a, you know, a, a couple of years basically where this energy is changing. Like that man that you were talking about, he's like, wait, now I have this attraction to this more masculine, you know, like this wasn't necessarily in me before or was latent. And, and, and now I have to integrate it and understand it. Um, and you're really not even going to get that information until you look at the progressions. And that's one of the reasons why progressions are so important. I mean, there really are. They're like a key to really getting into yeah. any chart. <laughs> so I never uh, do a natal chart reading for a client without checking progressions. Yeah. I never do a reading for a client without check. I, I it's like second nature to me now. I'm looking at your birth chart. I'm looking at your progress chart. I want to know what's going on with you internally and externally. So when you talk to me, you're feeling like, okay, I'm not tripping. You understand what I'm going through? <laughs> yes, I do. Like, it's okay. You can talk openly with me. I'm not judging. Trust me, I've been in a couple places. <laughs> but you also want to be able to um, let your client know that you're not judging them. It's energy. And you're, you're an expression of that energy right now. And what this energy needs from you is for you to either go inward, change the way you're doing things, look back, uh, look at the fine print, look at whatever planet that is that's retrograding. That's the energy that is asking you to kind of like reanalyze more mm. and how you're using it in your world. How are you using energy? You know, increase for friendships as well. So it's a big, big like indicator. Like, you know, you probably attract very different types of friends coming in, not really like your normal type of friends. And I also find another thing too is retrograde people tend to attract retrograde people. <laughs> I find that often actually. Retrograde anything. Like they'll find something that's retrograding and they'll like find a niche to do something with it. But it's very interesting. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny when I, I think about, you know, Venus retrograde and 
to go back to my partner and he like, like I said, he feels like he's a lesbian trapped in a man's body. You know, he does have this more feminine uh, side to him because essentially, you know, it's, it's just there. And I've noticed to play on what you were saying earlier is that he is attracted to more aggressive women. Um, and like myself, I'm, I'm unusual yeah. and aggressive and more assertive and, uh, and his Venus is in Virgo. I love to critique okay. him and boss him around you know? and, and we work well that way. Like the, we're a team through that. Like he's very mm-hmm. receptive to me in my direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that helps him and it helps him be able to integrate his own like challenges. Like I was saying before with his relating to other people, um, because mm-hmm. I will aggressively break that down for him. Like I won't let him like stew on it too long. I'll be like, okay, let's get in there and, and take a, take a look at that. And even his partner before me is an incredibly strong, aggressive woman as well. So there is, okay. there is that turnaround or maybe even once again, back to that projection, right? Like if he's internalizing more of that feminine force and then uh where somebody else yes exactly exactly so yeah but i do with the planets also i would like to also point out this this is we're in a definitely evolutionary state uh right now in this time that we're in where um what is normal what is the 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 status quo is slowly changing with gender roles uh uh, same-sex marriages, all of these different things that are now becoming more, it's more occurring in time for people. So I feel like as we slowly shift into that, the retrograde planets will mean something different, maybe in another hundred years for mm. other people, because we're still, you know, we're still evolving as human beings here. So a man having Venus retrograde, being attracted to a very strong woman in this society that's slowly changing, that is avant-garde. You know what I mean? That is, what are you doing with this woman? That's all, because women are not really, you know, we're, um, we're definitely, uh, uh, we're very under, let's just say our value system is, is not as much as it needs to be right now. Okay. Yeah. And change, but also I feel like this Uranus and Taurus transit is going to assist with that because women are taking a lot more responsibility for their own body, their own mind, their own consciousness, everything. So that's changing. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like when you have that retrograde energy and, and the time and space that you're born in does affect you greatly because um, I have friends that are from such open families and they have retrograde energy and they're able to understand to some degree that they're different because their family was different. Mm-hmm. So they were able to incorporate that into their life. And then I have some people that were born in very traditional families with retrograde energy and they felt like they were lost at sea, like seriously, didn't know. and then you know, moving to different locations and moving to different countries or whatever the case may be, help them uh, feel more at home with their retrograde planets than maybe where they were before. Because Mercury can also mean you probably need to move where you live. You know what I mean? You probably need to move your location or you don't need to be too close to family where you are, you know? Venus retrograde means maybe the females that you grew up with were a little bit crazy, you know? Something something of that nature. Or maybe you didn't value um, what you had to say. Because to me, Venus has a lot to do with uh, what you're hearing, you know, what you're hearing. Mercury is the processing of that. Venus to me is what they're hearing. What did you hear me say? And Mercury is what did you process me saying, though? Like, what, what did you understand from me saying all of this? So I find with uh, Venus retrograde people, they don't believe sometimes what they're hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, am I beautiful? Really? You think I'm beautiful? 
You you think I'm smart? Uh, and, and it's just like just the affirmation confirming that yes, you are, especially if it's Venetian, a woman, you know, or uh, even Martian energy being retrograde. You need an affirmation. I always need an affirmation from my male partner about a lot of different things. And when my, my Mars went, uh, when it hit its pinnacle, I was like, F all that, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need, I need a man to tell me that. I, I'm going to tell myself that. So I do think that that's very important too, to look at the fact that the retrograde planets are going to dictate a lot, but it's also like you as well. And understanding, so if I have a Venus retrograde, I may not be hearing everything the way that is the way that it's being said to me. So I would probably need to ask someone, can you repeat that? What did you, what did you mean by that? Or someone, you know, says something about your looks or whatever. Oh, thank you. Um, what is, what are you interested in? What are your interests? So you can kind of figure out, okay, well, you don't have to put yourself in the box to be, uh, to be, uh, valued by others. You can just find out what their value systems are more so. So you can incorporate that and understand that they just have very different value systems Mm -hmm. than you. So their judgment or their, their words or whatever, it's not really, doesn't phase you because you now understand, oh, this is this person's value system. This is my value system. I hear this, they hear that. Yeah. So you kind of know how to flow better with another person. Yeah. That is an, a fantastic point. And, and it really speaks to the idea of, because the retrograde is such an internalized process um, and it, the people develop their own inner, you know, principles, essentially, what happens is through that subjectivity and that internalization, they end up with a lot of expectations. And, yep. and then they're just not, they're not met on the other side because, you know, that's just not, or like, I love that fact of listening, especially for mm-hmm. Venus, because it's, that's a receptive force that is a taking in. Um, and mm-hmm. if you already, uh, conceptualized or have an expectation around that and in what you thought would be reflected back is in turn not, <laughs> you know, there is a disconnect there or there's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's harder to struggle with that. Um, and so I, I think expectations are another thing of retrograde planets, especially mm-hmm. the inferior ones to look at and realize that what you expect for the most part is not really how it's going to p- play out. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I have outer planet retrograde Jupiter. Um, and the way that I teach my students is very different from the way that every other teacher in my school teaches their students. Um, but I've always, and it's in Gemini. So I definitely, like, I'm definitely on the key, on the ball when it comes to that. And parents are always trying to figure out how do you know how to talk or teach this child? I'm like, instinct, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but it's really just understanding your child learns differently. And yeah. this, uh, the system's not working for it. You know, the brain isn't processing that information the right way. So, but it's also by me going through those same um, experiences in my life as a child, not learning the same way, having to learn. I, I, I speak three different languages. So for me, uh, language is big and trying to understand what someone is saying is big. But also, I also try to understand the person's philosophy the way they put these things together that they're hearing, the Jemenian energy, like the facts. The mm. facts are great, but what's the ideology behind these facts? You know, yeah. I've always been one of those people that watch the news with the side eye, like, yeah. huh, <laughs> what are they really saying here? You know, that could be my, my Pluto conjunct Mercury, but in Scorpio on top yeah. of it. So I think it's that, but it's also looking at people's words 
and the way they put their words together. This is why I'm really good at, I've always been really good at um, understanding deaf students, mute students, students that have speech delays, speech problems, or people that just have some type of communication and mm. kind of barrier. And sometimes I'm just very, I'll ask, is this what you're trying to say? And they'll be like, oh, wow, how'd you know that? And I'm like, I don't know, just figure that maybe that might be it. So it gives them also some type of affirmation or some confirmation that, okay, I am understood by some people, just not all people. So mm-hmm. I have to find a way to make sure that the people that understand me are around me and the ones that don't, well, I give myself some time to understand them. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's more so like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, how I... The children you work with, are they're blessed to work with you because having that understanding, oh, okay. it, you know, like that, that is everything that the, the way you approach yeah. it and just understand this, like that they will, they will sense that value down the road for sure. You know, yes. so this is a big, the big indicator for me that the child, whether they remember how it was done, that they remember someone told them mm. down the line that you don't think the same way. You you have to look at things from an angle. You may have to go back sometimes and that's okay, but you're going to get it, but it's going to be your way, not the way everybody else is doing it. So I'm constantly kind of putting that into my students, especially uh, uh, the students with the Venus retrograde because they have a hard time hearing, understanding what they're being uh, told or, or, or what, what the teacher is saying to them. So I, I ask them, what did you hear me say to you? And then they'll they regurgitate what they think they heard me say, what they, you know, because Venus, like, again, five senses, the brain, all that. Then we talk about Venus and Libra, and that's communication of the mind. How are we connecting here? How are we connecting here? Mm. What words are you, what words? Because let's be real, Libra is like a, um, a word porn star. You know what I mean? They love words. You can talk to Libra about everything. They love it. They connect with you on a mental level. This is what attracts the Libra energy. I have Venus and Libra, so I know. So for me, when the earthy element of Venus ain't working in the in the in the uh, the logical mental element of Libra's uh, Venus not working, you have a problem here. So you talk about you know your relationship now. He's always having this like it's like the 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 dance move where you go two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward. Like you know, I would also say too, I find um, balancing something very difficult for people with. Uh, retrograde planets. Uh, balancing is something I've really picked up on over the years with my students and myself. Also, it's really difficult for a balancing act. They can balance very odd things, but not <laughs> things that the world, like, like the worldly, you know, uh, yeah. function. They, they can't really balance all those things yet, but they can balance something and you'll be like, wow, how did you get that? How did you understand this? And they're like, it's easy. You know, so their mind just works at a different type of balancing scale. It's like they have to tip, 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 and then they go, ooh, ooh, it's like that. Because then when they get this, it's like a, like, you know, you get information that kind of like changes your whole function. You're like, and then the balance, and then it goes back, ooh. That's funny because, well, maybe that yeah. person that's like, how did you balance that? Or how'd you come to that? Maybe because that is something that they're just incredibly interested in or that they're drawn to versus maybe a worldly consideration that we expect people to be in balance with, but they have no interest in that or 
find it valuable or, you know, to their process. So there is, once wow. again, we're back to that kind of internal versus the, the worldly or, you know, outside, um, back to the word expectation uh, of people. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. so funny when we're talking about listening for, um, especially for the Venus retrograde, I can't even tell you how many times I'm like, you're not listening to me. <laughs> I'll be, I'll tell him he's not li- you're not listening to me. Um, and he is a Gemini rising. So there is a little bit of just that because Gemini doesn't always <laughs> listen. Uh, yes. So, but to play that with me being that maybe Venus role in his life as well. And I always feel like, Mm-hmm. Oh, I, it's not until I'm like, you're not listening to me that he'll be like, oh no, I'm listening. And sometimes he is. And then sometimes he's totally not. <laughs> yeah. I thought something very interesting with the Venus uh, retrograde. Um, I have a friend of mine, they have Venus retrograde in their chart. And uh, it's retrograde in Scorpio. And we were hanging out one day and I didn't hear the sound of the door. Mm-hmm. It was so light. Within like the moment that door, and I, I mean, I didn't, but just like, you know, how a dog picks up and it's like, somebody's at the door. Like immediately my friend was like, we were talking, I was like, somebody's at the door. And I was like, I didn't hear that. And then, and then I stopped and then the door, you know, and then I really just looked at like, wow, like your ears are so subtle. Mm. Your ears are, you pick up subtle subtle like the the most minute not hear it and it was very interesting to watch that though to see just how that function of that venus retrograde is and they're like this with a lot of things when it comes to like the subtleties of things and how this is how i heard that like it's very interesting with that but they hear they hear it's something they don't hear it's just that what they're hearing may be louder or lower than what other people are hearing how they're like you know, that small noise became something very, wow. It, like, it, it, like, I think it sent like shockwaves to the, to, to the Venetian uh, energy that is retrograding. But the, uh, the, the, the direct planet is listening to everything. Hmm. Listening to everything around it. So how can it hear these little subtle things that are coming at it? So I find Venus uh, retrograde people to be soft. Um, soft. I don't know. They just, they, I, I really enjoy Venus retrograde people actually because I have Venus and Libra. So yeah, <laughs> I, love that. I love their dynamic. I love <laughs> how they can look at things. My Venus is not retrograde, but it was retrograde the year of my birth. Uh, so I watch and, and and follow that because it retrograded like in my eighth house or something. So I watch people's. Um, I guess I, I investigate. Like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> well, and it, it makes yeah, so it also. Soft, it makes it interesting too, if because Venus was retrograde before your birth. So there's essentially, as you were just stating, Venus was mm-hmm. retrograding. And I know we don't have a lot to say on that as astrologers. You know, we do have prenatal lunations mm-hmm. and the prenatal eclipses. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot to be mm-hmm. said for what was happening while you were forming um, as well oh, in, sure. in the womb. Um, and, you know, especially with the parents, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because we have our birth t- chart, right? But essentially those transit, our birth chart was transits happening to our parents, you know, and what they were going through. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we forget about that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, she, sorry. Go ahead. She didn't eat sugar while she was pregnant with me. 
Oh. Any sugar while I was pregnant with you. That was the way she navigated her Venus uh, retrograde situation. And my mom also has her Venus in Libra conjunct Neptune. So she loves sweets. But she told me when I was pregnant with you, I did not eat sugar. I did not at all. And I was like, I love sugar. I can't get enough of sugar. I've had to like, break some sugar because of it. Um, but I found it funny how she's a Venus in Libra and she did not put sugar in her diet while she was pregnant with me. And Venus was retrograding for the, for the I think, the fifth month of her pregnancy with me or something like that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, well, that's a whole other can of worms for another day. <laughs> but uh, but it, it makes you think, you know, it makes you think yeah. that mm-hmm. those subtleties can lead to, you know, the mind can open to them. And there's a lot of uh, depth there if we are willing to dive. But there's just so much to look at, you know, <laughs> overall yeah. here. Yeah. So, well, I think we've had a pretty good conversation retrograde wise. But if you were to say anything with parting words, Akila, for people with retrograde planets, especially the, the uh, inferior personal planets, what, what would you tell these people? Just like as a generality, parting words. Uh, I would tell... I would tell anyone with retrograde planets, look around you. And if you see everybody doing the same thing, do something different. Mm. That's all I got to say. That's it. I (laughs) love it. Yeah. Look around you. Look at everything around you or people around you. And if you see that you're, you're just not functioning like them, do it different. Do it different. That's the only way that you're figuring out how to navigate the energy. Again, we're astrologers. We can only tell you when energy is coming, going. It's up to you to decide what you want to do with that energy and how you want to navigate your energy. If you're retrograding Mercury, Venus, Mars, even outer planets retrograde, even outer planets, again, what your generation is doing, you may not be doing it. Mm. What your peers are doing, it, you may not be doing it. Find something different. Put your interest in other things. With Venus, it's love and money value systems, uh, your talents, your gifts, and your, how you're using your body. Are you using your body? Is there other people that's using your body for you? With Mercury, it's your mind. It's your, the people that you're connecting with. Uh, with Mars, it's your willpower. How strong is that willpower? If you find that your willpower isn't that strong, you may attract people that can, assert, that can help you assert yourself in a more Libra-ish way, using words. So maybe that's not your forte to go at somebody and punch them in the face if you're mad. Uh, but you can find words and, 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 and tools that can help you if you get nervous every time you're, you're in a confrontation with someone. You can find words to die down situations. There's so many techniques. I mean, we can talk about this for days. There's so many techniques. Look around you, do it different. That's all. Look around you and do it different. Try as many different methods as you can. I know it's retrograde, so it may take some time to actually want to get into all of that. But trust me, a chance of what happened and, tr- and it's going to trigger you to do something different. Whether you like it or not, that's just the evolutionary state of all of us. Whether you can't stay still forever, you have to change. You have to progress. You have to evolve. So that's all really, Melissa. You know, the floor is yours now. Thank you so much again <laughs> for joining me your channel and talking about this. I had a blast <laughs> with you talking yes. about I loved everything you shared in that last piece of wisdom is right on point, you know, just yep. do it differently. You're meant to do it differently and that is okay. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, before we get going here, where can people find you, Akila? Where, what do you got going on? Oh, uh, wonderful. So you can find me uh, online. I have a YouTube podcast 
uh, Akila Astrology on YouTube. You can find me on Instagram at Akila Astrology. You can find me on SoundCloud at Akila Astrology. My website, AkilaAstrology.com, will be launched this spring with the new year coming because with Aries energy, that's my new year. You know, that's how astrology is. Mm-hmm. We navigate it. So, um, yeah, that's about it. And if you would like to email me for a personal reading before all of that, you can email me at akilaastrology at gmail.com. Uh, and just wait for me to get back to you. Uh, there's a waiting list, but I will get back to anyone that contacts me. I've uh, been doing a lot of work. Uh, I appreciate it again, Melissa, for you having me on your channel and us discussing these retrograde planets. Yes. So, I'm so glad to have you. And, you know, and if you didn't miss, if you missed some of the things she said or couldn't write them down, you know, I'm going to share that on my blog post as well so that you have access to Aquila. Um, and to get there, you can go to energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And of course, I have my Patreon offering uh, where I have my monthly tarot or weekly tarot subscription and other fun things and early access to the podcast, which you can find on patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And of course, if you have friends with retrograde planets, <laughs> spread the word, share the podcast, you know, get it out there what we're sharing here today because uh, people need to know. And, uh, and if you yeah. like you know, the podcast in general, leave a good rating on iTunes because that helps myself and then my guests like Akila to be seen further. Um, and uh, you know, there's, yeah. I could go with the spiel forever, but of course I do consultations as well. So if you're into that, you please reach out. So thank you once again for uh, joining me, Akila. I really appreciate having you back and I hope to have you again in the future. Next Mercury retrograde. We'll see you again. (laughs) There we go. Perfect. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.